0: Lord, help us to have ears to hear and help us to have a heart to receive which you're getting ready to bring to us tonight through the man of God that you've blessed us with tonight. Father, in this season, help us to put our trust and faith in you on a level that we never have because, Lord, we're believing for the supernatural in the ministries that are here and in the lives that are here. Lord, I thank you in advance for what's about to take place in the next 48 hours on these grounds where men and women are going to leave recharged and refreshed go back to their assignments where there's going to be increase, where there's going to be favor, there's going to be blessing. And Lord, tonight, as we make welcome to this platform, I pray that you would bless your servant, give him clarity of thought, give him just a, an anointing tonight to speak into our hearts and lives in the manner that you have placed in him. and We'll give you the praise and the glory forward. And the church says amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. Without further ado, he doesn't need an introduction, but I will give him one, Dr. Macell Ely, Would you help make him welcome as he comes? Our friend, your friend, to the, to the platform tonight.
1: You have no idea that if you have knee problems and you're getting ready to preach in a church that has a platform that's 8 feet tall, 12 steps going up to it, how you have to sit there and pray, God, work a miracle for me. Thank God for those that have a rail. Because I can tell you right now, Phil Russell needs it. It's so good to be in God's house, and it's so good to be with friends, people that we've known for years, people that we love, people that just bless us and encourage us when we get together sometimes, and sometimes they don't, but you keep that in mind when I preach here in just a minute. You'll see what I'm talking about right now you see, things don't always work out the way that you feel like they should work out. But we know one thing, that all things work together for good. For them that love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose. Amen? I tell you what, we need to really give a big hand to Pastor Ron, Sister Debbie, and this church for allowing us to come and be here. We want to thank them for preparing for us to come. It's a lot of preparation, and some of you pastors know it. When you're having a meeting like this and you've got preachers coming in, you're going to be feeding them and just different things. and uh, You'll do extra things around the church that you don't normally do just to welcome guests, just like we do when we have somebody come to our house. As a matter of fact, my wife and I have discussed that things that that I procrastinate and put off for maybe even years. If I've got somebody that's going to come to my house, I'll run down to Ace Hardware, get what I need, and come back and repair it or fix it. Because you want people to know that you are ready for them to come, and Pastor Ron, Sister Debbie have done that in this church, Pentecostal Tabernacle Church. We just thank you from the depths of our heart for allowing us to be here and do this. Last week, we were uh, Pastor Loudermilk's, Uh, the pastor of the Knoxville uh, South Knoxville Church of God. It's not actually a church of God. It's an independent church, but it wouldn't matter if it was a church of God. We're all working together. Amen. And uh, we had our district meeting for the South down there, and it was the first time that we actually had about one half of our ministers that didn't show up. I've had almost 60 conferences through the years. We've had uh, pastors conferences pastors wives conferences pastors children's conferences and we've never had a conference to where almost half the ministers didn't show up and at first i went into that mode how many of you pastors been there before nervous what in the world's going on but do you know the ones that showed up will testify to you and we had a powerful service the first night pastor ron preached He just stepped on every preacher's toes that was there, straightened them all up, told them to get back to Holy Ghost and fire and the anointing of God, and let's quit playing church and trying all these methods that are man-made, and let's get back to what God says in His message, not their method. Amen? And so we just want to esteem Him highly, especially in front of His church here, and let you know, What a blessing he was in that district meeting down in Knoxville, Tennessee last week. Thank you, Pastor Ron. My girlfriend and wife for over 50 years now is with me, and I'm so thankful that she is. Wave at everybody, Carol, just in case one or two don't know who you are. I love and appreciate her. Somebody said to me on the way in about they love me, but they love Sister Ely better, and I said everybody does. It's nothing new to me. That's kind of like, you know, Brother Murray back there. Wave at him, Brother Murray. Let people see who you are. Everybody knows his wife is much more than a better half. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? Well, we're going to have our annual meeting in October. This year we've had, we're going to have three. So the one last week, the one this week is district. But the annual meeting for all of our pastors to show up is going to be Brother Mullins Church, stand up, Pastor Mullins, if you will. In Hamilton, Ohio, if you don't know him, you need to get acquainted with him before he takes off tonight because he's got to drive back, and he'll probably try to split out of here so he can find some fancy restaurant to eat on the way home. So get to know him. We're going to have a great time there in Hamilton. That's October. How many's got a pen? In case you don't know the dates, you need to write this down. You know what gets me, through the years I've found out I can get up like this and in a few months ahead of time give pastors the dates of a meeting. And then we can send two or three emails to them, reminding them. And then we send maybe one or at least one, maybe two newsletters that has all the information in it. And there's still four or five that will call up and say, when did you say that meeting is? Well, that's all right. I want you to know. So if you have to call, call. But whenever your people forget things, don't get upset with them. Look at somebody next to you and say, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> now tomorrow in the morning service, we're gonna, the ministers are going to meet here at 10 o'clock, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion. That's going to be a blast. We had that last week down in Knoxville. I felt like it was the highlight of the meeting. When the, all the ministers get to share their hearts, and we, we just begin to exhort one another and pray together. And so we want you to be here, pastors, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. From 10 till 12, we'll be at the roundtable discussions. And then at 12 noon, by the blessing of the church here, we're going to have a meal out here in the fellowship hall for the men. The women will be going with Sister Debbie, uh, and you'll be going shopping. I know that's really a hard thing for you to do, but somebody's got to do it, right? to bless the economy. And then you'll be going out for lunch after that together, all the, the preacher's wives. So make sure that you get with Sister Debbie after church if you need any uh, details on that. That's going to be a great time. God is so cool. He does things that boggles my mind. You know, I, I, how many has been around uh, these guys that have a preacher's spirit? God brought us here tonight you know what i'm talking about how many's tired of that how many's ready to be the church amen you know can i talk just a minute before we get on into this pastor i am so tired already of hearing pastors say brother ely what are we going to do COVID has got our people out of church and a lot of them are afraid to come back in church Well, at the round table, this was brought up in Knoxville, and I said, forget about those people. If they got an attitude they don't want to come back to the house of God, you fast and pray and God will bring people in. How can we do that? Get on fire. They'll come to watch you burn. People are looking for a move of God. People are tired of church like it has been for the last two decades. They want a move of God. They want miracles again in the church. Some of us are old enough to remember those days of miracles in the church. Wave at me if you're one of those. We've seen the eyes open. We've seen the lame walk. And I I was testifying to someone the other day. I said, when I was young, it was not unusual to come into the house of God and to see crutches mounted on the wall and wheelchairs pushed into the corners of the sanctuaries. But we got above that because we started getting those people to come in our churches And we don't want to be embarrassed in front of those people in our churches. And we took those out. And also when we took those out, we no longer see those things happening in the house of God anymore. But as Pastor Ron said, I agree with him. I believe that we're getting ready to have the greatest move of God that the American church has ever experienced. And if people want to play and stay home and watch what's online, let them watch what's online. Because it's not going to happen online like it does when the body of Christ comes together. Now, that was my introduction. Where it's going, I have no idea, but I know where the message is going. 1 Samuel chapter 22. I want to thank the sister that was up here. And by the way, let me say that I loved the team worshiping God. You know, some I've been in churches where singing was perfect, but nobody made an effort to worship the singing was good here, and they were worshiping God in sincerity, and that's what it's all about. Amen. I honor them and the band for doing that. Uh, I'm going to say something else here that I'd forgotten to say. Brother Mickey, stand up, if you will, from Richlands, Virginia. He'll be speaking tomorrow night in the evening service. We're, we're glad that he's here. <laughs> Pastor Mickey is also on the Barnabas Ministries board. And so is David Gibson. Stand up, David, real quick. Everybody knows you, but we just want them to see your head. (laughs) We know her, too. It's good to see you, Ann Pam. Amen. Well, when our sister in the worship team mentioned before she walked off the platform that she'd recently gone through some of the toughest weeks in her life, then I knew I was right in the Spirit where God wanted me tonight. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that there's a lot more that have been going through it than her that are here tonight. I feel in my spirit that some of you face things that you never dreamed you would face. And some of you face people that have not acted like the Holy Spirit wants them to act. As a matter of fact, I've entitled this message, This is Not What I Expected. Our sister has been singing on this platform since the church was built and even before this building was singing in the other one. And yet after all these years she's been in church, raised in the house of God, she's telling you that she's been through some of the toughest things in the last few weeks she's been, ever been through. And some of you preachers that are here right now, you've been going through some things that you didn't expect. This COVID thing is from hell itself. A, a, a good pastor friend of mine from Canada sent me a message last week, and he said that they're only, the government is only allowing 15% of his church to return because of COVID, and that COVID has almost gone out of the area. And only 15% will the government allow to come. This thing is so demonic. It's trying to stifle the house of the living God. And it's trying to lie to the people of God and tell them, you don't have to go to church, you can stay home. Because they've learned that in this year and a half time of COVID, watching the online church. I believe that the online church, that God has ordained that and blessed that but now that we're coming toward the end of COVID, that's over. And all you're doing is giving people an excuse to stay home and watch your live service online. If it was me, you got to do what you feel like in your heart. But if it was me, I'd turn the live services off and let them get back at the house of God if they want to hear something. This is not what we expected but we're facing some things we never dreamed of, and God's going to lead us through just like He's always led the church through. In 1 Samuel 22, beginning with verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And every one that was in distress and every one that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men that's a pretty good sized church to start out with ground floor 400 I like what it says those from the house of his father they came down and gathered everybody say relatives Pastors, have you ever pastored relatives? They remembered when they changed your diapers. They remember when they fed you from a bottle and held you and goo gooed you. It's so hard for them to realize that you have a high calling from God. It's hard for them to respect you like others. Even Jesus had a problem in His own hometown. Prophets are without honor in their home area simply because people knew them before the glory of God rose within them. So don't allow that to bother you. Don't let that come as a a surprise to you. But just get in there and put your shoulder to the wheel and know that God wants to deliver your relatives just like He does anybody else's relatives. Amen? And I say that because so many pastors tell me, it's my relatives that are giving me a hard way to go. Well, sure it is. And they probably would fight for you if somebody else was coming against you because your family, family works that way. David's family, here where we've read this text, where David was found at the cave called Adullam. His family came down to be with him. I know that had to be discouraging. I mean that. And servants that he he used to live in the household, and there they, they served him as well, but you know he hadn't been there in a while now. And I'm sure that when they came, he didn't expect to see them. And then all these others that came, you know, when I read it, I I was thinking about one of the churches I pastored. It said they were in distress, in debt, discontented, and he became captain over them. Glory to God. One thing that's always stood out to me about Moses is no matter what Moses faced, Even when his relatives came against him. He never one time stood up and said, I'm Moses. I'm the leader. You better listen to me. Touch not mine anointed. Boy, how many of us have preached that one. He never did that. But you always found him going to the door of the house of the living God. And calling on the living God. And saying, here's what's going on. He never expected these things, but these things came His way. And the way that He found to handle those things is to take them to God. Now in this day and time that we live in, the word anointed is used so loosely. I mean, we we hear that word used all the time. Books are written about the anointing. We have a tendency to call motivational speakers anointed. When they're not anointed, they're just good speakers. I was in a meeting in Dallas, Texas several years ago with a large group of pastors. and They had some of the most famous preachers in America that were preaching there. And one of them at that time was supposed to be the most famous because of his political input in Washington, D.C., And they bragged on him, and he got up, and he spoke for about 35 minutes. And after church, and there's a couple of you fellows that are here right now that was down there with me. We were in the foyer, and some of my friends were going around the horn saying, whoo, wasn't that awesome? And I'm thinking to myself, I hope they don't ask me. And they went from one to the other. What a great speaker he was. And I'm thinking, God, please don't let him ask me how I felt. But he did. And one of the brothers looked at me and said, okay, come on, Ely, what do you got to say about it? You're being quiet. I said, the only thing I can say about it is he spoke for those, that amount of time and not one time did I feel the anointing of God. And it was just a few weeks later on national television that the preacher was exposed for having been involved in perversion. It's a sad thing that when even men and women of God that walk with a high calling cannot perceive what is and what is not. We're living in a time though that that's going to change. God's getting ready to raise up the hearts of His preachers that are going to walk after the Spirit and not after the lust of the flesh. And they're going to know who is and who isn't. And they're going to be able to know what is right and what is wrong. And even some of the theological things that have been debated throughout your lifetime, God's going to give you revelation to you personally and enlighten you in His Word at a time that you least expect. And it's not necessarily going to be in a meeting like this to where all the faith people are gathered together with great expectation. It's going to be at a time that you find yourself at the cave of a dulem in your life. When you're looking around at your congregation and saying, they're distressed, they're in debt. Oh, this COVID thing has come against the church. What are we going to do? The government is against the church. How are we going to exist? Rome couldn't destroy the church and neither will democracy in the United States of America. There will always be a church of Jesus Christ. We need to understand the anointing of God. The anointing of God is the supernatural power. It's an empowerment to help you fulfill your destiny that you have in your personal call from God Himself. It helps you to complete your assignment that you couldn't ordinarily complete without it because you know that within yourself it's bigger than you are. I wouldn't give you two cents for a ministry or a minister. He thinks he has it going and he can work it all out himself. God always calls us into something much bigger than us. He always calls us into that that has to prove who's in charge and it's not us. But he's in charge. Can you say amen? You see, you can't be anointed without going through some stuff. Oh, Brother Johnson spying out the land up there in Warsaw, Indiana. Beautiful property. Did you purchase that property yet? Okay, you're still, yeah, facing what you didn't expect. And we always do. Anytime you're advancing the kingdom of God, you're going to face things that you never dreamed that that, that you would have to come up against. Things that, that you least expected to come up. And people that you think are going to support you fully when you step forward will be the first ones to turn around and leave you. And it's usually that little old man or woman in the church that nobody notices back in the corner that if they have to pick up aluminum cans and bag them and sell them to help build God's house, those are the people that will be with you. You know those that are distressed. You know those that are in debt. Do you hear where I'm coming from? And the thing that stood out to me the most about those people that came to David were they were discontented. I have never seen the ministry so discontented in America than I have in the last two years. But that's coming to a close. Because we're getting ready to have the wind of God again to where the glory cloud is going to come back into the house of God. Some of you have been around a while like me. How many seen that cloud come into the sanctuaries before? How many seen people start falling out without somebody knocking them down? How many seen people healed one after another without a preacher even coming close to them? Because the hand of God was moving in the midst of the living uh, church of Jesus Christ. I believe that's getting ready to happen again. And I think it's already started in some places. But if you think you're going to carry a heavy anointing without going through some stuff, you're mighty mistaken. You see, whenever you get anointed, there is an antagonistic assassin that hell dispatches toward you that's out to stop you flowing in the anointing of God because the devil and the devils from hell understand how powerful the anointing of God really is. And so... Uh, Satan dispatches an antagonistic assassin, if you please, constantly antagonizing you, constantly coming against you to overwhelm your thoughts, to disillusion you from the will and the purpose that God has set before you. But what can get rid of it, preacher? You know, the anointing. The same thing that Spirit is after is the same power that can overcome that Spirit. Amen. I'll never forget 40-some years ago in Grundy, Virginia, when a woman walked up the aisle that had cancer on her face and the Spirit of the Lord moved. God told me, don't touch her. Rebuke the unclean Spirit. And when I rebuked the unclean Spirit, the cancer fell off. She fell down in the floor. It had nothing to do with me except obeying what God told me to say. God came. God touched her. God healed her. Revival came to the church. And there was such a move of God that when we had a healing line, almost anybody that was sick, even if they were out in the bathrooms or the foyer, would come running in quick because they knew that the healing power of God was real and they needed a touch for themselves. Amen? So David, he discovered in his own life that after you're anointed, that's when you find yourself facing the enemy that will come against you. What happened after David was anointed? Now let's, let's clarify something very quick. David was anointed three times, was he not? The first time he was anointed, that word meant in the Hebrew that there was an outpouring on him. The second time it said he was anointed, that word in the Hebrew says that there was the smearing on of that outpouring. The third time that it tells us in the Old Testament that he was anointed, that word anointed meant rubbed in deep. I believe that we've had the outpouring in our ancestors' years. I believe the charismatic movement that came in the late 60s and early 70s that brought us more into the depths of the Word and teaching has smeared it a little deeper on us. But I believe with all of my heart that this next move is an anointing that's going to be deeply rubbed into the hearts of the men and the women of God and we're going to make a difference in this world before we leave here because God is not sending His Son back for a rundown church. But he's coming back after a glorious church that has made herself ready. Amen. And I believe that we're in the making right now. Uh, Some of us has got to get up and shake ourselves off and say, I didn't expect this. But that's all right anyhow because I am expecting him. And I am stirred about that. Amen. Put yourself in David's shoes. He gets called and anointed to be king. First thing he does is Saul makes him a worship leader. He's supposed to be the king, not the king's worship leader. Then he has him carry, Saul has David carry his armor. David was anointed to be the king. He didn't expect all of this. But how many know Saul knew David was anointed? You see, worldly people that walk after the flesh... Are very jealous of the anointing of God. They despise it because it gets more done than what they themselves can do. And so Saul became jealous of David. And sometimes the Sauls of this world, they know, they know how special that anointed is in your life. Sometimes more than you yourself know. And what happens is. They want to discourage you as much as they possibly can because they want to look better than you. How many has been told by the Spirit that God's getting ready to elevate your ministry? Two shook their head yes. Come on, get real. How many has God told you you're getting ready to elevate your ministry? How many has been hearing that for years? Take you to the higher level. Well, if God does, and I think He can, and I think it's His will, then you get ready for some things you didn't expect. Because going to a higher level means a higher price to pay. And we shouldn't fear that. We shouldn't fear that. Neither should we get to the place that we don't expect opposition. We as men and women of God, somebody said, well, you know, I expect everything to work positive in my life. Well, you're a fool. Because it ain't going to happen. Because to you in the flesh, suffering is not positive, but you cannot reign with Him if you're not willing to suffer with Him. And if, if you're suffering with Christ, that means that you're going through things not that you brought on yourself, but that Because of you being in the will of God and pursuing the purpose of God, you are suffering. And sometimes we have to bite our tongues because the spirit of slap comes upon us. Isn't it real? And you just want to grab some of those parishioners by the throat and say, you stupid idiot, let me show you what can happen to you (laughs) by me laying hands on you. Don't work that way. Because what we really do is we give in to that antagonizing assassin that is after us to make us lose our tempers and not react with godly character. Godly character will always react to the enemy not by the strength of the flesh but by the anointing of the Spirit. And when we move in the anointing of the Spirit, the devil starts backing up quick and somebody said... Amen. But old David, he went through all of this. He wasn't immediately put into to the, the palace. And he got here to where we read the text. And I, I can't imagine how he felt. I was anointed at home and I left home to become the king. Now I am running from Saul the king. The Bible says in the previous chapter that the fear because Saul was pursuing David, came upon David. And David went to Ahimelech the priest and said, Is there not a sword or a spear? David didn't have anything in the natural to protect himself. And you remember what the scripture said Ahimelech said, Well, there's one sword, it was the sword of Goliath, and it's hidden behind the ephod, wrapped in linen. Now, I've got a message I preach on that, and I love preaching on that, but I'm not preaching that tonight. But I can tell you this, a hidden testimony that what God's already done will do you no good. Don't be afraid to preach the same thing over to your church and remind them. I've told the story about the woman being delivered from uh, cancer in uh, Grundy, Virginia, and there's people that were there that are here tonight I've told that probably a hundred times from the pulpit and maybe 50 times to Barnabas Ministers Fellowship. Why would you repeat yourself? You are getting old? Well, yeah, I'm getting old, but I repeat myself because repetition is one of the greatest teachers. Even the secular teachers understand that. And when the people of God begin to hear in repetition testimony after testimony, of what God's already done in your ministry. Don't be afraid to keep telling people what God's already done. Because you'll build on that and it'll become like a sword that was in the hand of David. And so he got a little over fear at that time, but then he went down the road a little while and he got down there and he ran into some more enemies, didn't he? And when he got there... He had the the right thing in his hand to defeat the enemy because the anointing was on him, but it said fear came on him again and he started acting crazy. If you'll notice, when a pastor allows fear to overcome him, it's a spirit. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of love and power and sound mind. When you allow a spirit of fear to overcome you, you'll run from one place to the other looking for something in the flesh to defeat your enemies with. He didn't need that. And it'll make you even act crazy and do crazy things in front of your congregation. But... If you are really called with a high cold, if you have the real anointing, that's all right. even if you act crazy every now and then. Because God's going to come down and straighten you out, preacher. He'll straighten you out. He'll humble you if you don't humble yourself. He'll then lift you up and put you in a place that you didn't expect. Look at somebody next to you and say, He's a long-winded preacher. You will never go from pasture to the palace without stopping at the cave. That's the only way it's going to happen. Well, you say, how do I handle my cave experience while I'm on my way to the palace? That's what we all want. We want to get to our destiny. How am I going to handle all these things I didn't expect? Well, you're not going to let fear overcome you. That's the first thing you're not going to do. Second thing, you're not going to win by fighting in the flesh. The third thing you're not going to do is act crazy. How many know that, you know, this is a pastor's conference, but this word's for all of us. How how many know, especially us pastors, that we get so overwhelmed sometimes with things we did not expect that like David, we start acting crazy. I mean, we do things that we ordinarily wouldn't do. But then the Spirit comes in because of the mercy and the grace of God and checks us, opens our spiritual eyes, helps us to see that the purpose of God is being cultivated. For you see, David at the time that he was at the cave, he was not being involved in cancellation of anointing or ministry. But God in his life was bringing cultivation. God was cultivating David because he was not yet ready to appreciate kingship fully until he had learned how to live like a king when you're not being treated like a king, how to act like a king when you're not being loved like a king. And when David went through that cave experience, He was cultivated by the Holy Spirit. Don't let where you are become the definition of where you're going. If you allow where you are to define where you're going, you're going to miss the purpose of God in your life. I probably should say that again. I said, don't let where you are become a definition of where you're going. You can't live life being sight-driven. Paul understood that. And Paul said that we are to walk by faith. If we always lived by what we see in the natural sight, most of us would resign tonight. But we see something greater in the Spirit because our eyes are anointed. We see God has a purpose out there for us to walk into and fulfill. And we want to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. We're not going through cancellation. But we're being cultivated by the Spirit. David became their leader in the cave. He was anointed king at his father's house, but he didn't become leader until he faced the cave experience. It's when you're going through the dark times that you least expected, that when you will become a leader. And it's going to be over people like we discussed a moment ago that David became a leader over. Now, everybody look up here because I'm going to stop and testify a minute. Many years ago in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, I took a little church, about 50 people, called Uri's Chapel. In Uri's Chapel, I know that I know that God sent me there. But when, when I took the church I did not take the church because of sight because I was embarrassed to take that church reason being is because they had what they called a choir it was not a choir it was a group of people that half of them were being picked up from a, a convalescent home for the mental incapacitated and I remember there was one woman she wore a, band, a bandage around her head And it wasn't because medically she needed it. She disliked wearing it. I mean a medical bandage. And she'd get up and she couldn't even meet her hands when she clapped. But God called me to pastor those people. The two wealthiest groups of people in the town were those that were involved in the medical field or the school system. The coal mines were shut down. Seemingly nobody had money there was two, maybe three faithful tithers among that little group of 50 people. I took $150 a week loss to be an associate pastor in Virginia to go and pastor this group of people. And back then, $150 was a lot of money. I took that loss to go pastor those people because I knew God called me and anointed me to take that group of people. They were distressed. They were in debt. They were discontented. And the pastor before me was a wonderful guy. I still love him today. But his theory was the more they run and jump and swing on the lights, the more anointed they are. And I walked into that. And people, when you get up and say, can you say amen? They do more than that. They do cartwheels down the aisle for you. That's what they'd been taught But if you're willing to become captain over the distressed, the indebted, come on, help me. If you're willing to stay with them and be their leader before it's over with, those people themselves will be transformed by the anointing of God. They begin to dress better, act better began to get healed. And God began to pull people into the church by His Spirit. It wasn't me that drew them in. It was the anointing of the Holy Ghost that drew them in. And they filled that building. And in a year and a half, we built a building that seated 500. And many of you have been in that building before. And we not only had church, we were church. We got in and they, they learned how to praise. They learned how to worship. But if you would have looked at them in your natural sight, A year and a half before, you would have laughed and said, I can't believe Ely took that group. The transformation came not because of me, but because of a God that doesn't bring cancellation to His people, but He brings cultivation to His people. And I want to say this, I even had a couple in my church that did not wear underarm deodorant. That wasn't too bad until you asked them to pray for them and they lifted up their hands. I'm getting real. Mountain people, within three years, that man became an elder in the church. Within three years, he went from a life that he was disrespected to a life of respect, not because of me, but because the anointing of God got on him. And the anointing of God will make you even look better. If you don't believe that when a sinner comes to the altar, you get up here and watch them and see their face when they come. It's like a dark face, a dark cloud around. But if they really pray through, the glory starts shining on them. Their lights show hope within that is called the blessed hope. It transforms people. And we've got to be willing pastors not to run off and leave people like that. But be their leader. Show them. How to walk, how to talk, how to live, how to dress. They're looking to you for the method nowadays, and if I'm hurting you, I, I don't apologize. Most preachers now want to look like trash getting in the pulpit. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I'm not talking about jeans and stuff like that, I'm not against jeans. I don't even think you have to wear a tie. But I'm talking about they come in smelling like those mountain people did and never acted like they had any dignity at all. But you can have dignity if you don't have anything to wear hardly just to cover your body. Do you hear what I'm saying? I I usually try to flow wherever I'm at. I don't look good in jeans. I don't wear jeans. But I wear a pair of casual slacks, rather, and maybe a button-down collar shirt because I'm an old man. And if you're one of those old men that's here to try to look like those young boys, you're silly. You're not built like those young boys. You look silly. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I'm not looking back by sharing that with the ministry tonight because I am not a clothesliner and never have been. But I'm telling you, methods will not bless your church like a real message will. And when you get a message from God, it'll bring the anointing of God that will draw people to God. You don't have to look like me and I don't have to look like you, but we need to live a life to bring people to look like God wants them to look. And that's this clean and holy and sanctified. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We seem to associate in the ministry. I'm going to wind this up so don't get too anxious yet. But we seem to associate in the ministry that if we've got God's favor, everything has to be positive. Things are going good, we think, whoo, I've got God's favor. Usually if you have God's favor, you're going to turn around and say, I didn't expect this. Sure didn't expect this. Has anybody ever told you this, Pastor, when you first started pastoring your church? I'm with you. I got your back. Well, they didn't completely lie. Usually they're the first one got your back all right. But did you quit pastoring? No. You can't do that. You've got to be encouraged in the Lord. And David, without a doubt, was one that was encouraged in the Lord. I want to share something with you real quick as I close. David went through this cave experience, and it it was kind of a a real test for him, just like it usually is us. Because if, if you've got ministry, the greatest ministry will come out in your time of misery. Do you hear me? How many of you have gotten up on Sunday morning and you and your wife had an argument on the way to church. Just me and Carol, the only ones that ever done that. I remember when I passed in middle, in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. I don't even remember what it was, but we were, you know. And when I got in church, I thought, boy, nothing's gonna happen in this service. I don't even feel safe. But because I loved God, I said in my heart, I don't know how you're going to get over this one, God. But I'm going to try to, to preach. And I remember getting in the pulpit that Sunday, and when I walked in that pulpit, the Spirit of God hit me. And I started preaching the house down. And I looked back, and the one that gave me the greatest response and backing me up was my wife, Carol. It didn't take long at all to get over my spout because my spouse had been under the glory spout. Do you hear me? And when, when I saw her supporting me, we had a powerful service. And after service, that afternoon I was praying and I said, I don't understand this, God. And God said, there's a lot you don't understand. It never has been you. It never will be you. It's not when you feel like everything's positive or right. It's when you just make yourself available to me and flow in my spirit. And then you get up and just offer what little you've got, but God has a way of taking your little and making a lot. Look at somebody next to you and say, if you missed the whole message, don't miss this. It was after the cave experience... Those of you that have studied the Psalms, I love the Psalms. It was after the cave experience that he went through that David wrote three Psalms while he was there at the end of his cave experience. Now, if you read them in the Bible where men put numbers, they're not in chronological order. But if you read them in the proper chronological order, that David had written them just before he left the cave. Here's what he says. The first one he wrote was Psalms 142. He was complaining about being in the cave. Everybody say, we complain. The second Psalm he wrote when he was there at the cave was Psalm 54. He's praying for God to get him out of the cave. He complained he was in the cave. Then he asked God to get him out. But here was the last one he wrote just before he got out of that cave experience. That was Psalms 34. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He said, God, your praise shall continually be in my mouth. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that though we are facing things that we never expected to face, We've got to come to the revelation that David came to and say, Thy praise shall continually be in my mouth. Get on your feet and give God some praise in this place tonight. No matter what you've been facing, what you've been going through, give God some real praise. Come on. Not just you're happy because you can stand and the message is over. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath Praise ye the Lord. But we will bless you, Lord, at all times. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, give it to him again. Give it to him again from your heart. You're worthy, Lord. Time after time we face things that we did not expect, but you brought us through, God. You always bring us through. And Lord, those people that were distressed are no longer distressed. Those people that were in debt, Lord, you're taking them out of debt. Those people that are discontented in the house of God, God, you're getting ready to move with your anointing and That contentment of the spirit will come and healing shall come to our land because the Lord, he is God and there is none like him. One more time, bless the
0: Lord. everybody, Pastor Ron. I pray that today's message and program has been just a great blessing to you. And I just, uh, I'm so thankful that we had the privilege to come into your home today or wherever you may be watching. I would encourage you to uh, continue to follow us. We're on all of the major your social media platforms. Uh, We have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you again uh, next time. God bless you. We'll see you soon.